Hey, what's up everybody? This is Perry with Premier Guitar here in Nashville, Tennessee at the end. Uh, talking to the band and your fucking end. I'm so excited. If you guys uh, are partial to my rig rundowns in particular, then you'll know that this band Oh man, makes me want to jump out of goddamn building because it's so fucking heavy and I love Thank it. Thank you, man. Thank you. So, Greg, man, how are you, dude? I'm doing good. Last day of tour, you know, three weeks out. It's been a couple years for everybody. Right, so right. We're really enjoying it. Yeah, so it's going this, awesome. Not only are you guys, I mean, you know, end releases have been my favorite in the past couple of years, but this is an Thank interesting you. rundown because we got two producers in the band. If you guys remember um, the World is a Beautiful Place rig rundown, so Chris and Greg run a Silver Bullet Studios together. Yep, in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Yep. So we've kind of worked together before, and I yeah. think only met a couple of times, but this is fucking awesome. So yeah. let's start with the uh, obvious. you got a Marauder, which is yep, kind of an oddball. this is one of my go-to guitars, uh, Gibson Marauder. They made these from like 1975 to 1979. I have four of them. Really? Yeah, I'm obsessed with these. So my backup guitar is also a Marauder. And these are just fun. They got like a... Underneath the pick guard here, they have what's called a swimming pool pickup configuration, which basically means it's hollowed out. You can put whatever you want in them. So I've seen pretty wild, you know, things. But I customize these to have two, you know, humbuckers, which is they don't come like that. Ah, so okay. all mine are modified to be like that. And, uh, yeah, I've been playing these forever. I first saw these guitars uh, in a video for the band Quicksand. Yeah. Thorn on my side, Walter's playing one. I was like a kid, I thought Quicksand was the coolest band. Still think Quicksand's the coolest band. And uh, so I just gravitated towards them, collected them over the years, bought a lot of them for like $400, now they're going for a couple thousand. Yeah, man. That's just the way it is with these, you know. So, you know, right out of the gate, it almost kind of has like a Les Paul vibe with the yeah. double humbucker. I mean, do you feel like it has those tonal qualities or do you think that chamber makes a difference? It actually does, yeah, it actually does introduce like some harmonics and like, of the four that I have, they all sound a little different, sure. which is yeah. interesting too. So, um, you know, yeah, it does add a little bit of a thing, and it's yeah, pretty much like a Les Paul body with like a flying V headstock. That's kind of what it was. So yeah. Nasty. And I think Gibson's intention with this guitar was they were trying to do something that played like a Telecaster, which it doesn't. But that was what their aim was, you know. Sure. And uh, it just ended up like an oddity lost in the '70s. That yeah, how fun. What's the neck profile like? I've never actually played one, because... Uh, I mean, it's pretty beat up at this point, you know, since the age and stuff like that. I've had this refretted and stuff. Sure. It, it feels good. I don't know. It feels pretty solid. Yeah, I, like, I love it. I love that the uh, switch is down here. Yeah. Because I have a bad habit on the Les Paul. Yeah. Up top, yeah. So yeah, I actually have my, like, neck pickup. It's disconnected right now, so this is just a kill switch. Kill switch. Yeah, <laughs> just because we're we're all in yeah. or all out. So now is that for if you guys don't already know, he also plays in Misery Signals, which is fucking super tight. So is yeah. that the same kind of situation you would have for Misery Signals? Uh, for Misery Signals, yeah. yeah, I don't use the for recording. I'll use it sure. often for clean guitar parts and things like that. But for in the studio and live, I'm just all gotcha. out. Yeah. What uh, what humbuckers you put in there? So these are Seymour Duncans. This is the Nazgul and the Sentient. Nothing gotcha. too fancy. Um, 
I like the, uh, they're like pretty high gain, pretty aggressive. They fit what we're doing. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I see where Duncan's not like an exciting one, but um, my other one that I have for my backup, I have a uh, small boutique builder called Black Triangle, really cool. And I have a pair of those that he custom built for me, which sound similar to this. Gotcha. And I use those as well. So that's all you're touring with, just this and a backup, but it's an identical backup other than the pickups. Other than the pickups, yeah. yeah. Yep. Very cool. Well, right on. All right, so let's talk about tuning uh, strings and gauges before we get on out of here. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of people are of the thought that heavier down-tuned music means uh, heavier gauges. Are you running something crazy? Yeah, or? nothing too crazy. Uh, we tune to drop C, except our highest string we also tune to C. Oh, okay. Uh, that's basically just to create a lot of dissonance sure. in our music, so having the C is more useful than the D in that right. position, which is just like kind of major happy sounding. Which we never want. No. <laughs> That's never the objective in this movie. You guys are certainly not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, it's just drop C, and I just got 52 to 10. Yeah. You know, super basic. Yeah. I've used lighter, I've used thicker. I've kind of settled on these on this. Um, no wound G. I like that. Yeah. 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 Like, we, are hard to bend. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of like, there's not a lot of melody in right. ends music, um, as opposed to Misery Singles, which is like Very all melody. melody. Yeah. 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 Um, for this, it's a lot of bending to create dissonance. Sure. And it's a lot of stacked octaves to create tension and release. Right, so. right. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, so on to amps. I know, I personally have heard that particular 5150 a million times. Yeah. That, you've had that amp a long time, right? So, so that 5150 in particular belonged to the other guitarist in Misery Singles, Ryan. And that's the one that he used on like the first record, Malice, and wow. like Mirrors and stuff like that. And at the end of one of our tours, uh, we switched by accident. And oh, you didn't it, know? Were yeah, they yeah, we just switched when we took them. <laughs> well, that one has like, that's the first Misery Singles t-shirt is right. like cut up on it oh, and okay. stuff, you know? So it's like an old one he's had kicking around forever. And uh, I just ended up taking it home. He's like, you know what, let's just, we're not going to ship it back and forth. Let's just leave it. So I've actually souped that up a little too. Oh, like, let's talk about had that. Had some, nothing too crazy. I just had somebody go in and like kind of remove some of the like, I, I couldn't even tell you, like some of the resistors and stuff. So it's running at a little, it's like actually a little louder than Will's 5150. Interesting. It comes out a little louder, a little more aggressive. Yeah. I've heard some fun mods with 5150s, the filter caps. Yeah, I it's, guess. Exa yeah, it's yeah, exactly okay. that. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. Right on. Yeah, there, I, when I was a kid, I remember the first 5150 I ever bought. It was like the first real amp I bought. There was this dude, I don't know if he's still there, but he was in Ithaca. And what he did is he collected, um, Ithaca, New York, he collected old VCRs with a huge thick PC boards, you know? Nice. And then he would totally rebuild your amp with one of those fat. That's because, awesome. Yeah, and then he'd yeah. kind of overclock it and they would get hot. It was the meanest sound in amp at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I had a guy do this who, I don't even know if the guy's alive anymore. Yeah, it's this right. guy's Stereo Joe in Connecticut. He's kind stereo of- Stereo Joe, hope you're Stereo watching. Joe, yeah, total maniac. He'd, he'd like <laughs> meet you at like a bar and you drop it off. You had no like location. You didn't know if you were ever going to get it back. That's some dumb shit. But I got it back and it sounds good. Yeah, so yeah, totally. it's been holding out for um, a few years. With it being, you know, modified a little bit, do you feel like it burns through tubes faster or anything like that? Uh, thankfully, no. Good, with the yeah. tubes shortage right now. Fuck, I know. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, thankfully, no. It's, yeah. It seems to be, you know, every few years. All you kids talking shit on Kemper is going to be playing them in no time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got one of those as well. Yeah, so. totally. Well, man, that thing sounds amazing. Actually, before we get into pedals, can we hear like pretty much your bass tone? Sure. Going right into yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. Dead quiet. 
Yeah. If you guys have ever played a 5150, you know that that's not possible without noise suppression. So yep. let's, we should probably start there because you guys are sure. extreme, extremely gamey. Like, yes. Not just a high gain band. It's like this is yeah, kind of an evolution of. We're very high gain. influenced by like the kind of HM2 sounding uh, bands that we grew up with, like Entombed. Sure. And then later Rotten Sound and Trap Them and bands like right, that. Right. And. Uh, you know, a lot of those bands use HM2s or HM2 clones. What we use instead is the Swollen Pickle, which is kind of tweaked out to get the buzzsaw sound, but it doesn't, it has a little more articulation than the HM2 does. Yeah, we they do. get a little muddy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love them, mm -hmm. but we do a lot of like riffing that is demanding on like the right hand, a lot of like totally. gallop picking and stuff like that. So it would just be lost unless we had that. So we run the Swollen Pickle into the distorted channel of the 5150. So a hell of a cascade of a game It's stage. a lot of game. <laughs> that is yeah, a lot. It's, it's a lot of game. So it's taken us a bit to control it as you hear and stuff. And the way that we do that is on my board here, I have the Zool Plus, which just came out like six months ago. It's Fortin Zool Plus. And that just like is a little more customizable with the, um, the hold and release, which you don't have on the original Zool, which I also have in my effects loop on the app. Running both? So I'm running both the ah. whole time. So I got this in the front end to control the pickle at its sure. source. And then that just to clean out the rest of the stuff. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and we turn, I mean, we turn these off throughout the set because we rely feedback on feedback sure, yeah. often. But uh, this keeps it nice and tight. So, so you know. I mean, you kind of have this tone that personally I've been chasing like my whole life. Have you had to augment your speaker complement to like, you know. Well, I mean, these are, we just got these calves for the tour. These are Atlas cabs that we just had built. They're 612s. Yeah. We really got pretty. Four. Yeah. No, oh, 612. I'm yep. thinking, man, that is moving some air, dude. Yeah. Like, it okay. is moving some air for sure. And we got four V30s in there and two 75 watt cream backs. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, just like a classic Good. combination. Yeah. And uh, we push them. You can hear it. Like, you can hear the cab really moving yeah really moving <laughs> testing so that glue buddy <laughs> it's yeah it's survived the tour so far so yeah and it sounds phenomenal man really really good all right so you know fans of and are probably going to associate you with relatively one you yeah know, yep no questions just tone just absolute distortion but yeah you do have some fun stuff on here i mean yeah i guess let's go through the chain obviously you have a tuner everybody needs one of those yep everybody needs a tuner we got the pickle we talked about and the zool plus and then really where the trickery comes in for end is in the pitch shifting we use a lot of pitch shifting in the band you know even though we play in drop c a lot of people hit us up and are like what tuning are you guys in because there's so much low end that comes from the guitar points sure. And that's through adding octaves underneath, which we do a lot for most heavy parts and things like that. And the two main go-to pedals for us are the uh, Pitchfork, the Electro Harmonics Pitchfork, which we're actually using right now on this tour just to fully shift our tuning down. We go down to A sharp for a couple parts here and there. So it's important that we don't miss that one live because right. it sounds that like sound a weird. <laughs> total fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, we use that, and uh, that's actually what we use on the record to add in stuff. We like to add in an octave below at, like, around 50%, something like that, for a lot of our, like, DB parts sure. or, you know, the heavy breakdowns and stuff. But for this, we just got this um, triple graph, the third man triple graph, which I also think came out a few months ago, so it's relatively new. And I love this pedal so far. This is like, taken over our pitch shifting. Um, we basically have it so like the left side is, it adds 
mix in of an octave below and you can have it latched or just you know uh, staying on when you're hitting it and then like the right you add 50% octave up and then the middle one's just like 100% both fuck it oh right on yeah is that like a momentary thing yeah okay so I you don't have actually to have anybody any points that I use that in the set but the other ones I use constantly I bet yeah, yeah. Totally. are these dip switches what control the octave oh it locks it's yeah sort of locked. Yep. Okay. so basically yeah you decide if you want like so for the high octave here I have it just on while I'm hitting it because I like Make now is that you bending? Because was that yeah, you bending? I'm okay, bending okay. and I'm doing this. It makes it extra screechy. Sure. But the one that we use the most is right here. That's the octave down, blended in at 50%. So for a lot of riffs, to say you're. God, so I love we, that because then you don't have to bring a seven string. You don't yeah. have to worry about uh, floppy strings. I like love I love there. playing on six strings. I love playing close to standard tuning and doing the pitch shifting. I yeah. think in the end, for what I like to do, it's a little more destructive. Yeah. It's a little noisier. The imperfections are what I'm chasing. In right. those little things, in those little breakups, that is what I'm chasing. Yeah, dissonance, I guess, is such a huge part of this band. That, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then after that, I've got the pitch shifter delay three, the PS3. That's a lot of pitch shifting going on over here. It's a man. lot of pitch shifting. So that's one of my favorite pedals of all time. That might be my favorite pedal of all time. Sure. It's the it's the one that Caven uses all oh, the time. Yeah, yeah. Caven's one of my favorite bands ever. So I use that for a lot of the leads. I add an octave delay that's modulating upward in my leads so they just sound fucked up. I think the thing that's great about that pedal is it doesn't work that great. So it sounds it noisy. It tracks a little off. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds noisy. And if you're trying to make destructive noise, it's Perfect what you want. That. Yeah, yeah, it's what you totally. want. So I got that and then just a basic MXR car carbon copy at the end, which I like a lot. I leave the modulation on that. I like that. I actually yeah. use those both together for most of my leads. Very cool. Now, you know, obviously you guys are both producers. I'm sure you've, you know, come across a litany of different pitch shifting devices. Yeah. You know, what, you know, what is it about these as opposed to, you know, like a pog or, you know. Well, I found that the pitchfork um, tracked the best. Once yeah. we found that one, I thought it tracked the best, like, using it in the studio and everything like that. There, a lot of the other ones, there's a little bit of a lag. There's like, a, it feels a little weird. And since we're having on a lot of parts that will add up, um, and because it's like digital for what it's doing, it tracks really well. And then the, the third man, the triple graph, also yeah. is digital. So we were able to kind of switch back and forth those. And I've had every pitch. Yeah, I've been obsessed with this case. for like 20 years now. Right. So it's just like, um, but those seem to be the best for adding the low octave. And then the higher octave, the broken stuff, you can't beat the PS3. So many, right. so many bands use that, still use that, so. So in what way would, you know, the pitchfork work differently than say like you know a digitech drop or something like that like the those drop, the drop pretty, seems pretty, pretty good yeah, yeah the drop yeah. seems pretty good um i haven't used one of those too much so i'm not quite sure gotcha um as opposed to the other ones that existed say like the boss octave right. that one was real laggy oh, and, yeah. and i tried to use that for years and it just didn't do what i wanted sure. it to do um so yeah i think i think the pitchfork at least I haven't used the drop, but the pitchfork is like dead on. I barely notice it. It's subtle, the lag, but it's, and we use it, like I said, we use it to fully shift our tuning. Yeah. So I have it running at 100% right now. Sure. And I can still play and it feels right. And it feels me. right. Yeah. yeah. So. Plus you guys are, I mean, in the context of the whole band, it's a lot of noise happening. So That's it's a like, lot yeah, of yeah, noise. Yeah. A lot of feedback, throwing the guitars yeah. around, you know. And I've been so impressed with uh, 
Jack White's pedals, to be completely honest, man. That yeah, Bumblefuzz thing love, is sick. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's, I love the aesthetic of it. It's like an interesting pedal. It's like super easy to use. Like there's a lot it's of It's so like, pragmatic the way you have it set too. Oh. Down, up, both. Yeah, it's perfect. Love that. It's perfect. That makes life so easy because obviously you're on a pretty fucking dark stage and you guys run a lot of yeah, and, diffusion. And, 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 and if you, you know, if you see here, we've got these like little red lights that we also control on stage. We control our own samples and lighting. Are you doing that stage. with a switch of some sort? We are on the bass rig actually has a oh. foot switch for the Mr. lights. Jay Pepito back there on the yeah. Changing yeah. It up, changing yeah, it so up. he's he's doing that and then I run the samples just off a Digitech Jam Man. Oh yeah. Classic, you know. <laughs> but we do that because we don't play to clicks. Sure. So it's you have to feel it right and it's just noise and chaos that I put in in between songs and things like that. Man, I think this is probably the heaviest sounding rig that I've heard in a long time, so I couldn't be happier. Well, thank I mean, you. It's a pleasure to actually finally get together with you. I know COVID yeah, kind of sucked me. I appreciate me. it. I had plenty of stuff planned with Misery Signals and you know other stuff, but I'm glad that we got to do it for end, because this is good, Yeah, man. this is awesome, man. Thank we, you very much. I appreciate Will. it. Thanks. Yeah, great. Thank you. Okay, now we're two inches over this way with Mr. Will Putney. This is an absolute honor and treat. Um, if you guys listen to heavy music, then you've absolutely heard this guy's releases, because he's put out some of the Best sounding records I've heard in years. Oh, thank you. You're so nice. Beyond that, you guys don't, if you're young and into hardcore, you don't know how good you've got it because when we were growing up, hardcore kind of sounded like shit. Like the first, you know, five Earth Crisis records didn't sound great. A couple were okay. Yeah. It, took, it took a while. But yeah. te technology has come a long way and you have been a huge part of that. Um, you know, beyond being a huge producer and doing rad bands, uh, you have. You know, the STL tones, right? Is yep. It? Yeah. So yep. there's a plug in suite with some so of my guitar tones. Yeah. So rad. Thank and you. It, it, I don't want to get too, too, too into it because this is a live situation, but how did that come to be? I know you're a real amp guy, so. Yeah, I'm definitely a big amp guy. I, um, I just had never found uh, any really digital emulated sure. amps that did it for me. Like I, I, every record I'd ever produced, I was just always using amps. And obviously, amp, real amps are great, but there's, you know, it's not always practical for everyone who's trying to record, especially people who are starting out to record and stuff. Right. So I knew the guys at STL and they approached me about trying to do one. And I was like, look, I, here's like this amp that I've been playing since I was 18 and I know it's super good. So if you can make a plug-in sound like this, then I'm on board and they kind of nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah. I've, 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 I've actually kind of wondered often, it's like, were the high gain emulations harder to nail or was it that because most of the companies were kind of catering to rock and blues and other t styles of music because this is kind of a niche style of music in a way I, th I think a lot of it honestly it came down to like software right yeah, like a, a lot of it is just like the, the intelligence of a programmer and like how deep they go with with actually putting the work into that stuff I mean STL spent like months and months right. writing code and stuff so it's like there's there's no like there's no shortcut to it. It's just an endless amount of work from like right. this this poor guy, computer programmer, you know, but we, um, it was, you know, and there was back and forth and trial and error and stuff like that. But I think it was like, up until that point, I hadn't really seen anyone really put that kind of detail into it. So, right. so big shout out to him because that was like, that really made the difference. Seriously you know? big shout out. Now in that situation, I don't know shit about programming. Does that dude have to kind of already have like an idea of what high, Gain tones are good, or is that just a nerd that doesn't play music at all? I think, all yeah, I think in, in the world of like emulation, it's understanding how the components actually translate to code, 
and being able to make those adaptive to like what we like about analog gear. Oh, when it gets louder, it does this, so there has to be like a code for that. Oh, but if you turn this knob, it affects this knob, so there has to be code for that. So it's just endless layers of interaction between all the bits of and components that make you know real amps and real pedals and things cool. Where it's like that's a big giant formula it's for somebody. Yeah, math. it's a big yeah. code to crack. You know. Well, Mr. Algorithm, whatever your name is, thank you so much. Yeah, Frederico, <laughs> you thank so you. STL, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's start with this sweet Dunnable. Love Sasha and all of his work, and that thing is no exception. Yeah, I feel bad because I'm smashing it already, oh, but man. I know I just got this one for the store. But this is a Dunnable Cyclops. Um, Love that very, one big ass knob. Very simple, one big knob, no tone, one pickup. This is the Bigfoot pickup. It's like his hottest passive high output pickup. I just said, you know, give me the crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's awesome. You know, I was a, I, I was an active guy for a long time, even, even early in end. I had EMGs and guitars. Sure. I had Duncans in, in um, I used to play an S1, like Greg's Marauders. Um, that had passives in it. And then, I was like kind of back into it, but I was like, those weren't really cutting it for me. This is a little hotter. Um, I just love this guitar. Yeah. yeah. Swamp Ash, maple neck fretboard, super light, which is what I wanted because I'm getting old and my back hurts all the time. And you guys so, are a pretty high energy band. So yeah, we helped. move and, you know, playing with heavier Gibsons. Like the S1s aren't too bad, but I did do some shows with like a Les Paul and I was like, this, is, I can't. You know, they sound great, but they're just too heavy. And um, this clocks in like, pretty light compared to what I what I was used to and um it just feels sturdy without being heavy you know yeah it's like right hit this like really cool sweet spot for me but yeah Sasha makes great stuff and man I just love how awesome. sleek it is yeah know? it's cool the red's cool like he even threw the little lumen lays on oh, perfect, which has yeah. bailed me out on a couple shows where the stage goes dark so right locking tuners, tuners tunematic standard stuff but yeah simple yeah. guitar works for what i want to do i love that man it does yeah. the damn thing yeah. and then like you said you've been and i know a lot of your plug-in suite as well is kind of based on that specific 5150 yeah right? so that's like that 5152 i've had since i was like 18. it's been through several techs over the years and just fine-tuned a bit retubed time after sure. time but it's always like the one i go to i have you know there's a backup 5150 and i have a three at the studio two, the 34 I love one. I love the and three. Yeah, they're all great. This is just the one that I, I like, you, yeah. you know? And and uh, it's been on a ton of records too, but it's always the one I play with live. So I was not trying to shake it up, yeah. you know, for this tour, but I finally gave it a nice rack over there, which I'm sure the B-roll will show you with, yeah. with some, with, so it's all wired and nothing will break. So I can bring it back to the studio and use it. But sure. uh, yeah, not, yeah, no, not you, breaking the mold on that. You're tracking with that quite often then, I would imagine. Yeah, it gets yeah. work, sure. There's a, I mean, we have we have plenty of options now, but sure. that's always in the mix, you know. Right. Yeah, and it sounds fucking awesome. Actually, let's go ahead and hear it real quick before we get into uh, pedals, if that's cool. Can yeah. just hear your, your bass tone? Sure. Man, so we did uh, a rig rundown with Knock Loose, and uh, Isaac was the first person I've, you know, growing up, like, fuzz was not a part of hardcore at all. It was distortion. It was, like, tube distortion. And he was the first person that I saw do that. You produced both of the records. I'm sure that's kind of where he got the idea, right? Uh, yeah, I probably. Yeah. yeah. And okay. we've, we've um, I discovered the Swollen Pickle, like, years ago now. Sure. I don't even know. But, um, 
it's worked its way onto a lot of records yeah. and it does something really cool with the 5150 like that combo is sort of like this winning tone for the occasional like gnarly over the top thing um so yeah a few bands have like borrowed that, that idea and pop them on and off oh, live and stuff i'm stealing it buddy yeah <laughs> the, i think the difference being they use it for parts and we're just like full all on all yeah. the time with it yeah when well, i you guys kind of almost you guys have that turmoil thing where it's just balls to the walls all the time yeah it's and pretty I love that. it's pretty aggressive and i wanted when we started the band me and greg talked about just like sticking a tone and being like cool this is like our thing like this is be what we sound and it's like it definitely like has its pitfalls and you have to like work around it at times you know but it's cool to be able to like have something there where it's like identifiable for for what kind of guitar tone we have and what ends like a vibe sure. and aesthetic is so it's like it's just become the one you know yeah and i've got a good variety of fuzzes and different hm2 kind of things we always go back to this one like every time we do a record we try a bunch and we land back on that right. like oh that's just what we sound like you know it's an interesting fuzz because you know it uh, fuzzes to me, uh, I mean, I guess nobody has ever used them in this context. They're not using them for gain stacking typically. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess that's why it sounds so different. I will to me. gain stack it at times. Like uh, before this tour, I did have um, the Spooky Vibes guy brought me like a like just an overdrive, which was like a TC808 flippable, sort of like adjustable, multifunctional overdrive pedal. And I was using that for a while. And in the studio, I still do use that too. It's a, it's a really cool company called spooky vibes that gave me like an all-in-one overdrive do and they make typically just heavy like like overdrives and stuff yeah, like that he's kind of like a small builder who just mixes it up and stuff I love the name. He, yeah but um he's a smart guy and he was a fan of the band and, and sent me this really cool pedal that was on the pedal board for a while i just kind of was running out of real estate on this tour sure. so i was like you know what i'll just go straight and i've actually been enjoying it straight but for a while i was like tone stacking it with overdrives too um we just sort of tweaked the way we use the pedal now where we were able to like sure. eliminate a pedal well and with that much gain if you're stacking it can get away from you really quick yeah so are you also running um a, a, a noise suppressor in the in yeah the so there's two gate stages there's okay. there's like this zool plus which has the key input so i don't know if i don't know if greg explained a little this. bit so, so that's basically analyzing what other pedals are coming into it so the key input it's basically just looking at the di okay. and then it lets me run out of that like a through into the fuzz pedals and the octa pedals and then back in so, so is it only engaging when so it's, you're it's not keying like, off just the clean di not oh, the that's distortion how you're getting pedals. such a tight that which oh. which helps you which helps like create a tighter tone because otherwise you'll have this like kind of wall fuzz and you know what that does to a di so sure. um using th that zool plus has been really useful there's other like four input you know like the four input you know gates but that seems to be the one yeah that's catching stuff the fastest for us and uh yeah because it's real quick yeah it can get it really quiet and it's like it's been a useful artistic tool too to be dead silent and then to be able to turn this on and oh off. sure the dynamic yeah. that you can create is just yeah. unbelievable so it's cool and then to eliminate the amp hum there's just like a classic dbx 266 gotcha. in there which is like in the effects loop just to kill the 5150 so like our stage volume like i'm fully on at full volume right now and if it's you guys have ever played a 5150 that is not normally the case yeah if you want to hear yeah. that i mean you probably can hear it through here yeah so that's what you're used to and that's what it is yeah. you know and you know what i love about that is that uh you know like an ns2 or maybe a isp decimator or something like that they tend to it doesn't re react you know, like the reaction is so different, but I can tell for you, it's like, 
that's what it, the sound that you're used to hearing and need to hear. Yeah. And it's quiet. So. I, yeah, I like this, this, this. When we got both amps silent, like we tightened up and it did sound oh, more aggressive in a way. Sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's hit on some of these other pedals because it looks like you got some fun stuff. Yeah, so it's pretty simple for this run. We've got, we do a lot of pitch shifting stuff. So there's two options here. Sure. Um, we were on the pitchfork as like a main octave up, up, octave down pedal for a long time, but I wanted something that let me have the ability to do the low and the high independently. And that's where we found this, um, these triple graph pedals, which yeah. is really cool because there's a momentary and a latch function selectable on a low octave and a high octave. And you see the way I have it set up. I can turn this on and I'm just living on the low octave. Then I can momentarily just tap it sure. to give me the high octave. I've always wanted that. I know there's a pitchfork plus, I think you might be able to do it now, but I just saw this and thought it was cool. And you get this middle button, What's which both, lets right. you just dump 100% wet. So it's a cool yeah. effect too. But we've been, so we've been using that. And then the pitchfork's still living on the pedal, which acts as like a backup for it. And there's a couple songs where we actually change the tuning within the song. So the way I have it set right now, I'm just going down a major second for this song where we drop tune in the middle of the song because we're dumbasses and decided to write a song like that. And now I need that. But, um, <laughs> So that gets used in the set for that, and it's kind of like a backup. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is if cool. You had, if, one, if it went down, you could probably make it. If that it. went down yeah. or that went down, I could still play a set. Yeah. And a lot of my pedal board is like built-in redundancy. Like there's two different distortion pedals, there's two different pitch pedals, there's two different wet effects, now, just in case one blows it, you know? Right, now the Swollen Pickle is kind of an always on thing, right? The Swollen Pickle is an always on thing, What, yeah. what is this distortion pedal so over this here? is like the Demon Log. This is just another like, I guess it's based off a of Hyper Fuzz, but it has like, it's got a clean blend and like a mid forward thing. We do the occasional like doomier thing mm -hmm. where I've been experimenting, trying to like kick that on with that. Right mm -hmm. now, I think I'm just doing too much. Uh, yeah. But as a standalone pedal, it's like a really good pedal. And I think it does sound good with the low octave. <clears throat> with the low octave engage, it kind of adds like a more traditional fuss sound, less of like a gnarly mid forward right, thing. Right, right. You know. Cool, and then moving on, what is the Lonely Ghost? Is that so Lonely Ghost is a uh, Michael Klein, who's a really cool pedal builder. Um, he's been building a lot of great stuff for like dudes in the death metal world. I know he's got a line of stuff with like Sammy from Goat Whore now, and um, he's just a great guy. We we met over the pandemic online and been kind of nerding out and stuff. And the Lonely Ghost is like one of his like um, in production like standard pedals. It's a delay, a reverb, and a boost, sort of all in one. Cool. Yeah, and it's just like I have very simple delay reverb parts where I just need a little of both a little shimmer and a little and a little thing it's not so shimmery it's more like uh, more classic like hall style gotcha. kind of can get pretty long there's like a dwell button on it where you can get pretty good but for like the black metal-y kind of stuff trem riffs and things it, it does a really good job and it gives you this little boost on the side too so you can even push the amp oh, more wow. yeah it's it would work in a variety of genres it's like a, actually a really simple but versatile pedal yeah. but I, I, I really enjoy it no, I love the control, six knobs and that boost. That's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, like, he snuck that one on the side, which is cool. Is that cool. like a set it and forget it kind of thing? Yeah, more or less. Like where I have it dialed seems to work for the set, so I don't really have to touch it, which I like. I don't really want to touch yeah. stuff on the floor you anymore. you got enough going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's been, um, yeah, like I actually haven't had to touch it all tour. You know, I just like kind of put the knobs where, where it works for a couple leads I need right. for, and then that's it. We're there. Rules. So, yeah. All right, I guess that just leaves this Earthquaker pedal here, which I am not familiar with. What do you got? Yeah, this is like a newer uh, sort of shimmery verb that they put out, Astral Destiny. Um, 
it has this stretch function, which is really cool. And it does uh, this low and high octave blend into like a long reverb. So this is like for more ambient passages that we have and like some little interlude things and stuff, kicking that on. Um, is the stretch thing like a momentary feature kind of? Yeah, I'm not, like I haven't fully figured out. I can hear the pitch change and then I hear it longer. Like I just got it before this tour, so I cool. played with it and I like dialed a sound or two. So I've got, I do want to spend more time with it because there's like this abyss function and there's all these like modes, but I've, I've just like knocked in a preset or two for the set. Um, and, and they're great. That's exactly what I was looking for. I used to use the Descent by Walrus yeah, Audio. Yeah. So if you know that pedal, it's like lives sorta in that world. Mm -hmm. Probably didn't make the cut because of the real estate sure. where the, the Descent like That's actually huge. wouldn't yeah. fit. It's a great pedal, but it's just like a little big. Um, and this is kind of compact a little more. It got me pretty close to a similar tone that's yeah. been on a couple of end records. So I was like, okay, we'll yeah. go, we'll go with this guy. But yeah, both companies rock. Walrus and Earthquake. Or, yeah, you know. they make great stuff. Yeah. I love a shimmer pedal in the context of extreme heavy because, you know, a lot of times you think shimmer and it's like shoegaze bands or, you know, somebody making pretty music. But when it's applied to something very heavy and evil sounding, it just sure. makes it that much creepier and it's yeah. awesome. There's a few like pretty moments in yeah. all the fuzz where it's like actually doing something pretty cool well damn all right so you guys this is your last show of the u.s leg right yep that's and then it. you go on to europe yep we go to europe in may out there with conjure for for most of that run and then we actually have more stuff planned this summer in america so we'll be back so just out of curiosity too. how the hell are you finding time uh well we had a bunch of stuff lined up before the pandemic that right. was like hyper organized and scheduled and then uh, you know Everything obviously fell apart, but we've had so we we were we had a couple years to kind of regroup and figure yeah. it out. So, well, uh, you, do you have like a personal assistant or something? It was between your, you know, illustrious recording career. No, I mean, like, I've got some guys. I've got assistants at the studio sure. who definitely help keep the ship rolling while we get busy with other things and stuff right. too. But luckily, we were able to just get all our work done. Me and Greg, so we can both be out here having fun and stuff. This is basically a vacation, so. It's yeah, fun. totally. Well, man, I couldn't be happier that you got your work done so that I can thank see kids you. lose their minds tonight and jump off this stage. Should be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Of we course, really man. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you guys so much for watching. Make sure to stay tuned for more rig rundowns, riff rundowns, video lessons, all that fun stuff. Thanks, guys. Awesome.